0: Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone Baptist Church in Wiley, Texas. It's still April of 2020 and we are several weeks in. Actually, we're in our second month of social distancing um, to try to do our part in not spreading the coronavirus around. That means we haven't been able to meet as a church for quite some time. We hope very soon that we'll be able to do that, and we're praying toward that end, and we're planning toward that end. But until then, we hope that this podcast will be an encouragement to you. Now, over the last couple of weeks, um, not only have we been addressing... Uh, what's going on in our world from a biblical perspective and trying to give you something to hold on to. But also, we've been hearing from some other voices. Uh, The last couple of podcasts have been from Breck Wheelock, and it's been a a really helpful time to, to sit and listen hear from him as he's trying to just help us grasp what the Scriptures have to say and what other men throughout history have had to say about times like these. Well, one of the things we want to do this year on the podcast is to help you as members of Cornerstone Baptist Church, and maybe some of you who are uh, just kind of dabbling in what we're doing here, just to give you an idea of the people that make up Cornerstone Baptist Church. I know you've probably been to some churches where uh, you knew a few people um pretty well but for the most part you didn't have a deeper relationship with that many folks well we want to change that we want to give you an opportunity to get to know some of your leaders some of the the men and women that serve within the body and, and to do that, we've decided to do some interviews, to ask them some questions, and just ask them to give us a little bit of an, uh, an open door into their lives, into their experiences, into their past, into the influences over their lives, and, and things like that. So today, um, we've interviewed Russ and Karina. Russ and Karina have been with us for several years and serve in many different capacities. They're a wonderful family. And I know we have much to learn from them. So, with that being said, here's Russ and Karina.
1: But well, we're here at Russ and Karina Rice's house. Thank you for the meal, mm-hmm. exceptional steak. Mm. Russ uh, and Karina, ever invite you over for dinner? The answer is yes. So, um, and uh, we're here, and and uh, you know, Cornerstone wants to wants to interview people who are in ministry uh, at Cornerstone, just to kind of show that we're. You know, it doesn't take a professional super Christian to be effective for the kingdom. All of us ought to find what, we're, what we were designed to do in the kingdom and, 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 and engage. So, all right. How are we doing? Is Pup going to talk to Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, first question. Give me a two-minute introduction to you. Where were you born? Where did you go to school? And when did you become a Christian?
2: Hmm. And how, if you want, as well. Well, I'll start, I guess, since my wife pointed at me. (laughs) Um, I was, where was I born? I was born in Fort Benning, Georgia. My dad was in the military. And then before I was even one years old, I think we ended up in California. And I grew up in California in South Central. So that's my my claim to fame. I'm a tough guy from South Central LA. So... (laughs) straight out of South Central um and then I moved my family moved to Michigan for my last couple years of high school and I was in high school in Michigan and then I got a, a scholarship to play basketball in Denver and started I did kind of like what we talked about earlier I didn't go to class but they kept me eligible to play ball <laughs> So I played there one year, and then I got a chance to play um, some pro ball. And so, when I was playing there, I met Karina, and because um, I was renting an apartment on the college campus from her, and um, was one of my roommates was with the Nuggets, and I was kind of making my way into that whole world. And um, when I met her, I told her well, actually, I kind of, pretty much I told her she needed to take me out sometime, so (laughs) I was pretty arrogant. Not pretty, I was arrogant, and um, she came, came, and we went and had a hamburger at Wendy's. I paid for it, though, Um, and we spent three days together, and I told her after the end of those three days, she was going to marry me, and I really never asked my wife to marry me. (laughs) Don't suggest that, man. (laughs) Um, And I told her I was a Christian because when I was 12 years old, I said a prayer and I got baptized and I was a Christian and I went Mm. to church. And um, I had no desire for God, really. But I had a semblance of religiousness to me and... um, I'll let Karina share her part of that whole story, but she married an unbeliever that was professing to be a believer. Mm. Um, I had a lot of profession and no possession. <laughs> mm. And um, then we ended up, I stopped playing ball because I was getting ready to go to Europe to play pro ball when I met her and I realized, In for years I couldn't figure out why I did that. but. I just completely stopped playing, and that was my world, was basketball. And I just realized I couldn't take this woman around the world with me, traipsing around playing basketball. It just wasn't, it didn't seem right, you know? Yeah. So I was like, well, I gotta get a job, <laughs> a real job. And I ended up um, getting a shoe repair apprentice, and um, my boss died three months after I started working there, and mm. I learned enough. I ended up having the opportunity to buy a shoe repair store. So I bought a shoe repair store and started um, fixing shoes and we ended up with about 50 locations. And uh, we we were one of the first that started the whole concept of dropping off your shoes at the dry cleaners and then come back in two days and pick them up. So we had about 50 locations around Denver. It was a really good business. and But we were pretty much working night and day. And we had our first kid and we brought, we brought our baby home and I asked my mom and dad to watch the baby because my wife and I had to go sell my business to my competitor because I knew, I knew enough at that point that I was going to end up divorced if mm-hmm. I kept going the way I was mm-hmm. going. Um, and just I did not care um, about my wife. It was all about me and our relationship. And so we moved to Michigan, and in God's sovereignty, that's where he wanted me, and I started doing fundraising there. I just remembered selling it in high school, and I was like, I called the company that our high school used, and I said, Hey, you don't know me? I told him my name. He goes, I know exactly who you are. I go, What do you mean? He goes, You're a legend, actually, because we've never had a kid that has sold our products sell as much as you did when you were there. Mm-hmm. And this is like years later, and he remembered me. And so he hired me over the phone and we started in fundraising and um, everything was going great. I was making tons of money, we had just got a new house, a brand new house, a brand new build house. I was driving Mercedes, everything was going great working out every morning at this gym. I know that some of you will look at my physique and say, I don't think he's ever worked out, but I used to work out. And um, these guys were meeting in this restaurant I would go to after I worked out, and they were studying the Bible. Mm. And so I started sitting close to them because I wanted to hear what they were saying. And so then they asked me to join them, but they met from six in the morning till eight in the morning, every day, seven days a week, Christmas, wow. New Year's every day. And I knew if I did that that I couldn't work out because it would cut into my workout time. So after about a month and a half, two months, I finally said, okay, I'll start meeting with you guys. So I started meeting with these guys and we were literally just reading through the Bible and I didn't know who the man was, but we were doing these study guides. Um, that was just solid stuff. And a, about a month into it, one of the guys said, I don't think you're saved. Mm. And he was pretty harsh <laughs> and direct and pointed, which was what I needed. And I got very defensive and then, um, that never left me. And I was like, yeah, I, started examining my life and realizing that I never understood Mm. that I was a sinner. Mm. And when I came to that point of truly understanding what it meant to be a sinner and and that there was nothing good in me, it broke me. And and God had regenerated me somewhere in there in that whole process within a few days or whatever. And I repented of my sins and put Mm. my trust in Christ. And I was coming home at 8 in the morning, and I should have been off. Going and seeing schools and stuff. Instead of she'd be, Kriya be in the shower. And I'd just come in and say, "Look, what I learned today in the Bible." And we <laughs> studied at night for a couple hours at night, and it was just like, "If the word is living and active, and that's w- what we what I found." And um, so, about a year and a half, as God was growing me, um, about a year, year and a half into that, we're we're still in Michigan and. I told Korean, I said, I want to sell everything and move to California because I found out who that guy was that was writing, or at least whose material it was that we were reading. And it was... Who was that guy? John MacArthur. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I heard him talking about it because I started listening to MacArthur sermons and Grace to You. And I heard him talking about a seminary that was pretty young at the time for that he had started. And I told my wife, I said, I want to move back to California and go to seminary, Mm. um, with every expectation to be a pastor. And then, um, I went to seminary and realized that, um, I wasn't going to be a full-time pastor. And so that's what took us back to California. And then, um, I think I'm pretty much done. I've talked yeah, too
1: long. No, that's all right. That was a good story. It sounds like the Lord placed a hunger in you and a beautiful uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A beautiful conviction, a beautiful uh, pricking of your conscience. That's 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 cool. Oh yeah, that's very cool. My turn. Yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I was born in Colorado. Um, my parents were missionaries. Well, they became missionaries when I was five. So. Mm-hmm. I pretty much grew up in Liberia, West Africa. Oh, wow. Um, so I went to a missionary school there on the on the compound. And it was a great place to grow up um, right by the beach. Wow. And so it was great. And you know, my mom always told me that I prayed a prayer when I was five, um, you know, for salvation and, yeah. you know, so I was all like, yeah, I'm a Christian and just kind of went with it. Um, and you know, you just do the right things anyway when you're mm-hmm. in the mission field. so. Um, we came back when my brother and I and my sister were all in high school because they didn't want to send us away to boarding school. Mm-hmm. So and there was no there was a government school but they couldn't afford it. So that brought them back here to the states. Um, and so I went from that life to public school in mm-hmm. Denver. And uh, <laughs> Yikes.
1: hard left, yeah. You know,
3: right? <laughs> like a, a class of 6 to like 500. Um, so anyway, and I kind of Showed who I was during that time, mm-hmm. um, but I was kind of living a double life because you know we went to church, went to youth group, but I I was doing my own kind of thing, yeah. you know. Um, and so I actually ended up going to a college in Kansas because this friend of mine went there, um, and because this to to intersect with Russ's story, he was in Colorado going to school. But I didn't want to go to that school because it was right by my house. And I was like, I don't want to go there. So I went to Kansas with my friend, and I lasted like a week. And my parents picked me up. My dad's like, I can't get you in school anywhere else. And they were about to go back to, with the mission because I was the youngest. And they were just waiting for me to, right. to get settled so then they could go back. And um, so he's like, well, we're going back. We need to get you somewhere. And funny enough, he said, if you want to be married, because I didn't really want to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, if you want to be married to a Christian, you need to go to a Christian college. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was get
1: your MRS
2: degree.
3: Yeah, that was totally his <laughs> theory. Um, and so, so I ended up at Rockmont College, which is now Colorado Christian University. Um,
2: and the reason your dad could get you in yeah, was because into... your grandpa was the president of the right, college. Right, he at had one been point. the president. Yeah. yeah,
3: and so he could pull some strings and get me in, but that's just interesting because that's where i met russ and you know it's like god moved me Mm. where i didn't want to be to meet him um and i met him so i ended up there going to school um and when i was in kansas i thought i was rededicating my life to the lord because i got a really low low point Mm. but i would say that's probably where i truly was saved um Mm. but i didn't really understand i thought well if you say a prayer you're saved so I just figured i 'm just rededicating my life to the Lord, mm-hmm. but then, as i 've learned and grown that 's really where yeah. there was a change of heart and
1: transformation yeah,
3: and so so I had only been saved a short time when I met him, and um, dumb, dumb enough, I mean, I tell my kids it was really dumb saying I would marry him, and we would both agree we wouldn 't recommend it for anyone, um, but I, I was eighteen he was when we got married, I was eighteen I was seventeen when we met actually. Yeah. Um mm. and and so yeah, so I just kinda know what to do with my life and so I'm like, sure, let's get married, you know. Um and he said he's a Christian, so I'm like, okay, you know, I just believed that and I never questioned his salvation because it's still at that time I'm like, Okay you know, he prayed a prayer and yeah. I wasn't really looking for fruit and the churches, even though I grew up overseas, I don't think I really got grounded, or even understood, well, you should be studying on your own, there should be change your life. Right. Um, and so I, I didn't really question him, even though I knew he was not a good person. You know, after we got married, yeah. he was a great person until we got married. <laughs> but, um, which he would agree. <laughs> yep, agree. So, yeah. So it was It was a really difficult. Um, our first seven years of marriage was really difficult. Because we got married like 10 months after we wow. had met. There again, my dad had his theory. That as long as you've been apart for a while, you could get married. So we were apart for like five months of our dating time, and since we didn't break up, my dad was like, "Okay, you can get married." So God used my dad's
2: <laughs>
3: little things that he believed, you know, for for what it's worth, to uh, to make sure we got married. And um, that's funny. Yeah, and when he finally did get saved. That's because we always went to church. Even when he wasn't saved, we went to church. Not really a good church, but um, I didn't really grow at all um, in my faith or anything until after he got saved. And mm-hmm. through all of the MacArthur stuff and what he was learning, then we both really, we really grew a lot at that mm-hmm. point. That's awesome. So, so yeah. It,
1: it's great how he can do his perfect way through our imperfect paths. Mm. Yeah. It's beautiful. He's just that good
3: yeah <laughs> and he has it all planned <laughs> yeah
1: man he's the best project manager there is, right yeah yeah well, so the next question I have thank you by the way, thank you for sharing that that's I'd love to hear gospel stories like that, people coming to Jesus and turning their lives over yeah. um, I suspect I know the answer to the second one at least for Russ what person or persons have been the most influential
2: in your life <laughs> well <laughs> Let me think. Um, it's probably Charles Finney. No, I'm joking. I'm <laughs> joking. Um, it's definitely MacArthur. Um, and when I went to somewhere, I ended up um, becoming friends with him over a course of some things that happened. And um, I've appreciated his him and his faithfulness to the Word. And um, I would say somebody you guys probably... Some of you have heard of him, and maybe not, but Phil Johnson, who runs Grace to You. And Phil was at Grace Community, and he still is. And we were at Grace Community for 14 years, I think, at MacArthur's Church. And I was teaching, and Phil was I was teaching in the children's ministry, writing a curriculum for him for, to do our own curriculum for Grace Community. And in that process, he was the elder overseeing all that. And so we became really good friends. And Phil was, you say? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and he was one of the regular teachers. Uh, a Sunday school at Grace Community is about 500 people. So, and he was he was one of the Sunday school teachers, and and we were we actually was one of the first ones that were there when they started his Sunday school class. Mm. So we sat under him for years, and I think he had a lot of influence on me, and then. To go to a dead person, I think um, Martin Lloyd Jones was probably very instrumental in my life. As far as when I read the Sermon on the Mount, it really solidified a lot of the things that I was learning and growing in. And just Lloyd Jones just goes so much deeper, and and just still appreciate his ministry.
3: I would agree with Russ with the John MacArthur one because I feel like when we were out there at Grace Community we both got a real good foundation mm-hmm. that really kind of moored everything else that we've, everywhere else we've been since then. And so I think that he yeah. was really instrumental. Yeah. And plus I read a lot of the study guides he did after he got saved. <laughs> <laughs> did,
1: did you, it sounds like there was I mean there was a personal relationship there as well with John MacArthur and Phil it sounds like it was It was, it was, was there some mentoring that was happening there as well or was it more direct kind of mentoring? Or
2: With Phil there was John really doesn't spend too much time doing that just because of his ministry, but with Phil, there definitely was a lot of we used to have lunch every week together I'd go see him once or twice a week Grace, do you? Our, our businesses were really close together and we lived close to them um, so he he was probably the closest to me as far as mentoring me and helping me learn ministry more mm-hmm. um, one thing at Grace is you get taught very well in the head Mm. Um, but the shepherding is pretty lacking. So there wasn't really a lot of emphasis even on mentoring. Mm. It was, um, I really got a passion for that. Uh, I'm probably jumping on questions here. but No, that's all right. I I—I got a passion for that because I had the, I was teaching at Grace Community pretty much all the time that I was there. I was always teaching something, you know, in a Sunday school class or Fundamentals of the Faith class or something. And then I had the opportunity of a good friend of mine, Stuart Scott. Um, he left Grace Community. He was an elder at Grace, and then he left there and went to a small church um, that was probably 15 minutes from where we lived. And he told, called me up about it. And he said, "Rush, you should really think about coming to this mm-hmm. church." It was just like, honestly, you could take, you could almost take the people from Cornerstone and put them at Crown Valley Community and take the people from Crown Valley and put them in Cornerstone. And you'd see pretty much the same demographic, the same everything. Very, very, even the churches look the same, (laughs) believe it or not. (laughs) A few hundred people and so I started going there and I started team teaching with Stuart until he went to Southern Seminary, he's a professor. He ended up going to Southern Seminary. I took over the class and I taught there for four years I think for about four years straight every Sunday. And um, that, I th- i think I, l- I learned, I don't think anybody's ever really mentored me, mm. but I've learned through mentoring other people and discipling other guys that, yeah. that it's two, it's I always say it's two ways. Like somebody will say, oh, can you disciple me? But it really ends up you both are discipling mm-hmm. each other and i think that's really where i learned to have a heart as a shepherd to care for the people and it was more than just the knowledge i wanted to see people change yeah Mm. and um there was times when i was there that i'd call karina up and say hey mom i'm driving right now over to the coffee shop and it's three in the afternoon i left work early and this guy has a crisis and i gotta go be with him." And so I'm not coming home for dinner because I gotta go back to the office and get my work done. Mm. But I think that's really where I got a heart for shepherding people and and learning what you know true discipleship was. So I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, I forget yeah, one yeah, of your yeah, questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah,
1: basically, who's been influential in your life, right? So yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I
3: would right. add I would add for myself on top of John MacArthur because kind of like him. I had hoped to have a mentor in when we went out to California and in the seminary, but it didn't quite work like I had thought it was going to. Um, I prayed often that the Lord would bring me a mentor, and he didn't, but he brought one through books that I read. Um, Elizabeth Elliot, her books were really influential um, in my life, and so I do tell people, I'm like, well, I got mentored through... Books because yeah. right. I had it I got introduced to these people out there. Yeah, um, yeah, and
1: talk about a missionary who gave everything, right? Mm-hmm. It cost cost her family dearly to, to yeah to believe what she believed and live it out. Yeah, that's
3: yeah, and she's very good at putting the feet to the, her theology, mm-hmm. and that I think was in combination with what I was learning. Mm-hmm. It was really most influential. It probably
1: resonated with, a little bit with you too. The whole missionary thing, right? There's.
3: A little bit, but since I was a kid, it's so much different being a kid on the mission field than an adult. You yeah. don't have to be responsible. It's yeah. really fun just being a kid.
2: She, she just had a 15-year vacation she on the beach. <laughs> extended the beach vacation. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, that's why every year I have to take her to the Bahamas or Jamaica because then she feels like she's home. She's going to have some sand on
1: her feet, some hot sand at some point in the year. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, well, I mean, this is a bit of a softball question, but, you know, sometimes these things uncover things, so be careful how you answer Just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, what's, what is something that... Are we going to need marriage counseling after <laughs> this question? <laughs> no, and we can cut this, too, by the way. We probably will, but... Um, what is something that your best friends know about you, but a lot of people at church may not? What do you like to do? What, you know? Do you like to read? Are you a food critic, et cetera? What What kind of... What do you do for funsies? Go ahead. I mean, do
2: you do good Chewbacca impersonation? And no, other- I, I'm a pretty boring person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty much okay. I don't know. What do I do? I don't do anything.
3: You are definitely a food person.
2: Yes, I'm. I'm very critical <laughs> about food, but don't. You can still have me over. I'll love your food. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I do I will drive two and a half hours for a good mm. piece of meat or yeah. a good dish. I'm very much that way. Oh. And we used to own a restaurant, so i I've become I became even more critical, I think, just owning your own restaurant. Mm-hmm. And the guys used to call me the spoon man because every time I come into my restaurant I grab a pile of spoons and just go taste all the food and make sure it was right. So mm-hmm. um, I think another thing too is that I'm a businessman and so I have a hobby it's not I wouldn't say it's a hobby but I do enjoy looking and exploring for new businesses and I love understanding how businesses work and I'm very I I call myself that that, that entrepreneurial thing kind of seems to energize you You yeah gravity to it very quickly Well, I'll say what my well. You tell him what my accountant said.
3: Yeah, he said one time. He said, he said Russ's hobby is is owning new new businesses because because at one time at one time in California we had a freight company, the fundraising, the movie, and the restaurant. Mm. And so he's like, you know, you just need to do.
2: Well, he he said, "Why can't your husband take up a hobby like golf?" yeah? So anyway, bought new business today,
1: huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's
2: exactly what it is. I came home and I said, "Hey, I think we're gonna buy a restaurant." So, but you can tell. Them. I you don't have know. to answer that question.
3: I, I, that's we're both the
2: same. We're pretty. Yeah.
3: yeah I, I people when they ask what even what my hobby is, I'm like, I like to read when I'm when I have time, and. Um,
2: yeah, we're both avid. I don't,
3: really, or uh, have a, I don't really have a. Hobby. Okay.
2: Anything reading so is a hobby, it no. a, and that's a good one. It's, <laughs> it's legit. <laughs>
3: it's a legit. Hobby. <laughs> I don't know what people don't. I love my. I loved my dog till she died. Yeah. But yeah, that's the way to my heart is through my dogs. So. <laughs> dogs don't let you down.
1: <laughs> stay. Next time we come, we'll bring a chew toy. <laughs> <There
3: you
1: go. laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. All right. Well, so I think you guys are probably ready to answer this as well. But who who helped you understand the gospel? What's the name of the person who really helped you understand the gospel?
2: I'll tell an interesting story about that because I think it. Um, those four guys that I met with they they really helped me understand the gospel, and then I'll you can add to it. But I think I helped preen understand the gospel, but we were just learning from the Bible like literally we were, we were reading the Bible and those study guides but a lot of times we just read like 10 chapters in the Bible yeah. and so we got a really good grounding just in the word hmm. and go um, figure my first <laughs> <laughs> yeah we you're reading the Bible, read the Bible yeah um, my first semester in seminary this guy came up to me that was in seminary with me he said are you a Calvinist? i had never heard that word ever mm. and granted i'd only been saved a couple of years at that point i said no i said what is that he goes well i'll take you to taco bell you and your wife and i'll explain to you what it is <laughs> so karina and i went and she had never heard of it either we mm. we just uh, you know macarthur wasn't like writing calvinistic stuff at that point like using that word yeah um he tried to stay away from that for many years and then finally said okay i'm a calvinist but um we in that he sat down and explained the five points to us and the five points of arminianism and i remember it so clearly even like it was yesterday of like well that five points this is why Tony said that five points of, of arminianism is why i believed before i got saved and so for me even issues like the um, atonement which people struggle with or perseverance of the saints some of those doctrines that people really struggle with um, I really didn't struggle with those Um, in fact I told you earlier that one of my professors said I formulated my theology too early I I knew what I I believed and I could defend it scripturally but um, in that process i think that that's really where i under it started clarifying the gospel to me more as i started reading the puritans and reading these great men of the faith that held to those reformed doctrines and that that helped me understand the gospel more um, and that was my experience i don't
3: yeah i think pretty much like what he was saying, because I didn't, you know, I, I said a prayer, you know, I'd heard the, the gospel, so to speak, you know, and I understood Christ died for our sins and stuff, but to truly understand it thoroughly, and that it wasn't anything I did, right. mm-hmm. um, didn't really, even though I believe I was saved before I met him, because that's really where mm-hmm. I turned from my sins and all, but I just really didn't understand that it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I was doing, it was something that Christ was doing, until he understood that and shared with me, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we kind of together learned yeah, that. Yeah, grew
1: grew in the word and knowledge and mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. That's a good foundation.
3: Yeah.
1: That's cool. Um, okay, so what are the top three most influential books that you've read? And you and I gotta I'm to go first. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make a I'm gonna put a stipulation on this. No box sets. Can't, the Bible is out. It's on the list. Okay, <laughs> so you don't have to list that. That's you mean, mean we
2: can't just say Jesus? Yeah. For <laughs> the Sunday school answer, where'd you learn Sunday school? Jesus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so top three books.
3: So you don't steal one of mine. Um, I would say the sovereignty of God by A.W. Pink. Um, also, I think that I would say Holiness by J.C. Ryle, and. Um, mm-hmm. Idols of the Heart by Elise Fitzpatrick mm. that would be my top three.
1: Cool. Mm. I
3: had
2: to yeah, say my first. Well, because I think, so well, well. I think <laughs> I, I'm saying here I think we read Sovereignty of God together. Um, definitely A.W. Pink, Sovereignty of God. It was. It's interesting too because he really ministered to us through that book, and um, his life was really tragic. If you do a, uh, if you get his biography and read it. It's, um, there, here's this guy that ended up becoming a recluse. He was a pastor and he got, he had a very bad church experience and they moved to an island and, um, literally he would not see anybody. He became a recluse and he just wrote. And at the same time, God still used him. And then years later, you know, he, I think he was in the forties and then, um, years later, here we are in the, you know, late 80s early 90s and we get a hold of his sovereignty of god book and it just i i can't say enough of that about that because that really moors your life Mm. that book just really moored us and we've we've been through a lot of um a lot of sorrow with our children and um a lot of um, a lot of tough times together even and mm. if it wasn't for God's sovereignty and us understanding that mm. Mm. Amen. it would be very hard we'd be a we'd be a ship on an ocean with no anchor mm. and because God gave us a early dose of understanding that doctrine through that book and some others it really helped us um in those times and um, still does today and even as we experience what I shared with you earlier about our business, we're going to lose a lot of money this spring because of everything that's going on mm. with the coronavirus and everything. And, um, it's, I, I can honestly stand here and say, it's like, I totally, I, I, I have my love anchored into a God who's sovereign and, mm. um, that isn't, isn't going to shake because he's in control of yes. the all And, He's not on the edge of the throne and worried about the coronavirus. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that book definitely was um, great for us to read. But then the holiness book, too, I would have Mm -hmm. to say, J.C. Ryle's Holiness of Understanding. It's interesting because you read all this stuff, and then years later it comes to you and you realize the depth of it. It's Mm -hmm. like... To really pursue holiness and what that looks like, and we can end up doing that in our flesh, mm. and not understanding how it has to be driven by the Spirit and how you need to be walking in the Spirit. Mm. And um, that book was really instrumental. And I think the other one for me was the Sermon on the Mount, and um, by Martin Lloyd Jones. And mm. Mm. that book, I read that during when I was in seminary. I think my first year in seminary. And that really helped me understand the lordship issue even more. Mm. And that book was instrumental in John understanding the Lord, MacArthur understanding the lordship issue too, and it just really helped me to understand that if a man is truly saved, there's change, mm. and uh, um, it goes with all of our theology. But that that's just a great book to read mm. for every. All three of those are great books.
1: That's good. Cool. So what's on your nightstand? What are you reading right now? And it doesn't have to be a spiritual book. If you're reading, you know, Lord of the Rings, it's okay.
3: <laughs> Generally, I don't really read anything, I don't know if you say for pleasure, I guess, unless we're on vacation, because <laughs> I don't really have chunks of time to read. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading um, I'm reading the Knowing God book. Then. Stacey's leading yeah. the Bible study. Yeah. <laughs> this is my second time through in, in this last year because I went through it with someone else, but it's a great book. That mm-hmm. is one up. That's close to the top, too. Yeah. And um, also, we're reading Spiritual Depression.
2: For um, about the fifth time for yes, us. <laughs>
3: which is also a really great book, Spiritual Depression. Should and, call it
2: should be called Spiritual Disciplines because it really is a great book for everybody to read.
3: Yeah, and then the um, 31... What is that book called?
2: Thirty-one, one and others. The
3: thirty-one, one and others. Mm. The Stuart Scott one. Mm. So all those are I'm reading in conjunction with because we're discussing it in various things. Mm. But um,
1: very cool. Those are what's. And thanks for the shameless plug for for the Bible study. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> I, did you hear me? I think you heard me say that Korea has just really enjoyed your wife's Bible, yes, yeah. your yes. your Bible study, Yay. and um, just she really is. Really thoroughly enjoyed it. So thanks for your ministry yeah. to her. So,
1: so how did you guys get involved in ministry here at Cornerstone?
3: Well, Signed up to help in the nursery. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: That's a non-trivial
2: ministry. Yeah. <laughs> how we ended up at, at Cornerstone was I was actually trying to mentor four young men that had started a startup church that was under Village. Mm -hmm. and they were here well, I don't need to see where they were but um, I started meeting with them and started trying to help them and none of them really were seminary trained and they thought they were expositoryly preaching but they weren't (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so I was trying to help them learn that Mm -hmm. and so during the week I would sit down with the, the pastor and go through his sermon the week before, and I explained to him, like, well, you kind of missed the point here. This is how he's, he you know, trying to help him grow in his teaching. And I just realized that we were there for about eight months, I think. I just realized that he was very uncomfortable with me, mm. with me being on, there on Sundays, and I just thought it was probably good for me to not be there and we were t- we, in a sense to be honest with you we were trying to be missionaries mm. mm-hmm. helping these guys maybe grow in the lord more and and village had put us in touch with them because we were going to end up at village plano was where we yeah. were mm-hmm. we thought well it's 20 minutes away for us we're from la 20 minutes is right. two miles so right. it's no big deal to <laughs> drive to church I mean, we drove to Grace Community for 15 years for four or 14 years for you know that was what a half an hour drive, mm-hmm. so it was no big deal. But um, and the I looked for a Reformed church the mm-hmm. when before we even moved out here, and we didn't find any Cornerstone never even came up, mm-hmm. and so literally I drove by that church when I was looking for houses. I just didn't I never saw the sign or anything, and. Um, so then I told my wife, I said, well, let's find something maybe a little closer than Village. And then we found Cornerstone, and we started listening to Justin's sermons to make sure that he was legit and solid. And um, yes, I am very critical on churches because we need to be. We need to know. The, other, the peripheral stuff doesn't matter. It's like, does the guy teach the Word? Is there Amen. true ministry going on there with the Word? And... We felt very comfortable with it. And I think I met with... No, I just visited there. Um, Karina, it was when they were going to have their Thanksgiving dinner. And I went that Sunday with a friend of ours who works at State Farm, actually. And...
3: Because um, I, I was at the She was at her, nursery. Yeah,
2: <laughs> she was finishing her last thing at the other church, her last duty, her last commitment. And so I called Karina up. I said, oh, we're going to come back... Tonight, because they're having a Thanksgiving dinner, and I said, and we had already listened to several of his sermons, and I said, This we need to be here, we need to be involved. And so, we came back that Thanksgiving dinner night, and then we've never turned back. That's mm-hmm. we quickly got mm-hmm. involved, and um, I met two dear brothers that night who I think thought at the time that I was nuts because I just <laughs> If I meet a believer, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. It's like, it's just, here we are. We, there's no introduction time. It's just family. right? And so I sat I down. I experienced
1: with, that as well when I first met you. It was just like we'd known each other our whole lives. So yeah. Thank you for that.
2: That's the way it's supposed to be, right? <laughs> so I met these two guys. I call them my Cuban brothers. My Cuban um, <laughs> brothers. And that's Osvaldo and Osvani. And I sat with them for most of that dinner, and I think after I got up, I, w- I was thinking in my mind, these two guys think I am completely nuts and crazy, mm. but um, it's interesting because now we have uh, I have a small group and they're in it, and those two men have become super dear to me, mm. Mm. and um, I love them with my life, but we we quickly got involved and just have really enjoyed being that cornerstone. Mm. So,
1: so in your ministries, what what your respective ministries? What what excites you and energizes you in those ministries? And what what is your top challenge that you that you wrestle with in that in that ministry space? <laughs>
3: You don't have to answer, (laughs) okay.
1: If you saw the look in Karina's face, yeah,
3: what's my ministry really?
2: You have a lot of ministry, Karina mentors,
3: but you mentor a lot of ladies.
2: Karina is always, um, I'll speak for you. I'm
3: only meeting with
2: one person, yeah. But you, in the past, when we were a grace community, Karina ended up a lot of times i think my wife is the most godly woman i know no offense no. but i'm with you i feel the same way about mine. yeah she's <laughs> and she, i know she's solid in the word and i try to encourage she's she's not going to be the person that's up front like for her to do and A Q&A or something like that it's it's stretching her but but she's done it and she does well at those but um she does really good at mentoring ladies mm-hmm. And in fact, she she has ladies in California that, that she mentored for years, and um, kept some of them from divorcing their husbands, and mm-hmm. um, even very hard husbands. But she's very she's a very wise counselor, mm-hmm. and um, she's that really is where God has gifted you at um, being a good good friend, a good mentor, and a good mm-hmm. discipler. I think. Mm-hmm. So... Is that? take that call a you want? this ago. is
3: actually somebody from California
2: what? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny she just got a call from
1: somebody that you've mentored yeah. <laughs> someone with
2: some mentoring yeah <laughs> So she still mentors the ladies in California just via phone now and, and you'll have to call her back So, but yeah. and for me it's like I think the one thing is I really love teaching and unfortunately or fortunately however you look at it there is some really great gifted men at our church and usually at a church you have three or four men that can Mm -hmm. teach well but here we have a we have a growth. of men's depth
1: is incredible
2: yeah (laughs) so I have a yearning like that's really hard for me to sit because I want to teach every Sunday and it's Mm -hmm. just very hard Mm -hmm. um I've written some books I've done some other stuff I've written some Bible study stuff for like B&H publishing and had some outlets that way Um, but I really love pouring my life into men Mm. I like I really have a desire to see men be men and unfortunately ministries like promise keepers and things have really feminized our men Mm. and in fact I think that's come a lot from the church not ours specifically but the visible church We've, we've allowed men to be Feminized rather than um, extolling the differences between men and women and what mm-hmm. those roles should look like, and at the same time to hopefully help a man learn from my bad lessons mm-hmm. that I've had to learn from of how to truly love his wife, mm-hmm. and it really all starts with. Um, I, I had an opportunity to give some counsel to a young man just recently, and. I said, you know, you got to stop worrying about being a good husband and stop worrying about being a good friend and all this stuff. I said, the only thing that you need to worry about is loving Christ. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the longer I've grown in the Lord, the more I realize that uh, everything for me is Christ. Mm -hmm. And if I am growing in the Lord and I am like putting all my 100% effort in the Word and studying it and trying to be like God changed me through that word then I'm going to be a better husband. Yeah. I don't have to work at that. It's going to that's going to be a natural outflow of that. And so I'm I really want to see men understand that. I want to see women understand it too. Mm-hmm. But specifically cuz I do the men's ministry. Well, yeah. I do this Friday night thing we do here at our house and I really want to see men learn that and grow in that and then go just like I taught my wife for so many years and still hopefully do, a lot of times by example, because we, we don't study something together. Mm-hmm. But I know every morning that when she gets up, she's in the Word and she knows I'm early. I get up early and I'm in here and I'm in the Word. And so I want to see men um, growing in the Lord like that and having that love mm-hmm. for Him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: that's awesome yeah and, and I know it makes a big difference that's uh, you know, largely one of the reasons why I'm here is your, your heart for the men every email you, you send out is like an impassioned plea to, to take the hill so to speak and so uh, we appreciate you and, and your ministry and the fellowship was certainly seen in both you guys and, mm-hmm. and uh, anyway yeah so alright a little bit of a softball question <laughs> but this is our last question um, when you're gone and I mean when I mean gone, I mean go to be with Jesus. What is what is it you want people to say about you? What's the mm-hmm. what's the catchphrase It's like, oh Karina, she was
3: He knows his already. He yeah. told it to me the other day.
1: Well, I
2: even posted it on Facebook. What you want on your tombstone. Yeah.
3: I haven't thought that much. I don't think about yeah. dying as much as this does. <laughs>
2: Mine's pretty simple. First of all, like my whole life theme is all I have is Christ. That's all I have. And yeah, I have a wife and all that, but that's my greatest treasure. You know, the man who goes and sells everything he has to buy that field for that treasure or the man that finds a pearl of great price. That pearl and that treasure is Christ, and we don't yeah. cherish Him like we should. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to learn to do that more and more on a practical, every minute by minute basis. And um, that kind of flows into what I want on my tombstone. I want, I want all I have is Christ. Saying at my my party that you guys will have because I'll be with the Lord. <laughs> and then on my tombstone, I want I want to simply say, He was a He was a great savior, but had a great, or he was a great sinner, but who loved a great savior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, something like that. (laughs) I wrote it down so that she would have it. That'll do. That's good. That's good. I didn't write that down. Because honestly, the more I grow in the Lord, the more I realize I'm nothing. And I used to point to a lot of my accomplishments movie producing, basketball player, all this stuff. At the end of the day, all that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. That's like it's totally nothing because I am nothing, Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: to realize that more and more, so Mm
3: -hmm. that's good. Mm. I I don't think about this that often, to be honest with you. So I'm going to try to like. Just you just wing it. I'll just wing it right now. All good. (laughs) You can decide what you want to do with it. (laughs) But I, you know, I think that when I'm gone and people think about me, I Mm -hmm. would just like them. To just see somebody who is just faithful in whatever God mm. gave her to do, Amen. yeah. Just because I figure I'm a support to Him because you know we're husband and wife, yeah. And um, but as far as just any other thing, it's just like I just want to be faithful to the various things that God has mm. put in my path, and that's so that's a good word. That's, yeah.
1: yeah, we all hear that. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, that concludes the the list of questions, and we are so grateful for this time together. We've been meaning to get together for a while, and thank you for the the really good food, the warm food, the warm conversation, and uh, hopefully the body of Christ will benefit from your wisdom and insight when we post this up on the Internet. So, So
2: thanks. Um, Uh, I was trying to find my my (laughs) thing that's supposed to be on my tombstone. That's all right. I'm going to write it down so that she has it so when I die, she... She can put it up there. I'll just make something Uh, And in generations who
1: listen to this podcast afterwards, they'll visit your site and say, yep, that's exactly what it said. Yep. (laughs) All right. Well, bless you guys. Thank you again. Thanks so much.
0: It's always a good thing when we can take some time to get to know one another better to hear one another's heart, to understand their influences so that we can learn from that and be encouraged, but also to know our brothers and sisters as a, as a member of the body of Christ and to love them more. So I'm really thankful for Russ and Karina have given their time to do this for us. I hope and trust that it's been helpful to you. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBC Wiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play in order to stay up to date on all the new content. Now, thank you so much for listening.